so retrograde. Indeed it is. This is Stephanie Simbari and Elizabeth Cott. Thank you so much for introducing me. We uh, pre-recorded today's interview, so we're back in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. It is windy AF. I feel like it is the movie The Holiday with the Santa Ana winds, (laughs) and I'm Kate Winslet. Can I? Am I Cameron Diaz? Um, Yep. Yep. Don't answer. The answer is yes. (laughs) Yes. The answer is 100% sure. Yes. It's a brisk LA day today. It is. These holes in these knees, these jeans. We're fresh off of. A new moon? Yeah. Oh, the new moon, Sag vibes, I'm I'm crushing them. What do they mean? Well, Mikey Dimitrovich, if you guys remember him, Edible Spirit. He's been on the show two times. Multiple times. Dear he friend of ours. wrote an incredible article that I posted on our Twitter all about this moon being about, like, expansion and kind of, like, dropping false ideas of self and coming into, like, a loving place and Ooh. it being a really good new time to take up a new spiritual practice. Um or just cultivate new habits, and I myself have started practicing yoga again, and I'm so happy. Oh, nice. I was going to say, my new habit of not working out is really, <laughs> going great. Different vibe, but think, still relaxed. I think I'm going to get back in it. Yeah. You know, the, the thing is, was like... You think so? Yeah. We're just going to... I told Elizabeth that she should get fat for our brand. <laughs> you like really good for us. Don't you guys think that that'd be relatable? <laughs> you just I'm let doing yourself it for go. You. <laughs> um... Yeah, no, I just been like relaxed for the past weeks. It's part of my more of my mental practice to like keep myself sane. I think that's has a place, and there's nothing wrong with that. And yeah, you should do that until you don't want to do that anymore. Yeah, so I'm on the verge of not wanting to do that anymore, right. and I'm like back at it. You're four breakfast burritos away from getting back into the gym. Exactly, I feel you. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for the support. Yeah. So we have a really fun guest today. As we said, we uh, pre-recorded it mm-hmm. in New York. Yes. Give us the background. Elizabeth Steph. is highly concerned with letting you guys know the time and place and like w- the way things work with the organization of the recording. So as as she said, we did pre-record. <laughs> Whenever you say well, that, Steph, in episodes, you're gonna have like scratchy New York voice in like oh two my minutes god, that's when we right. cut to the interview, so people are gonna know. Anyway. No, that is right. I had major party voice <laughs> in New York. Um, we went as opposed to now. Well, now it's it's like medium party voice. L.A. party voice, which is much more mellow and everything ends at 2 a.m. Yeah, it's a mild party voice. New York party voice is like it, it never stops until you've had your third meatball sandwich. Right. So what am I talking about? Oh, yeah, Han Yao. So he is our guest today. He's a young rabbi in the Hamptons by way of Brooklyn. And he is a friend of mine through a camp friend, actually. Right. I also weirdly married our producer, as Britain. in led the ceremony. He as officiated. opposed to became the husband. Yeah, no, he what he has not been married to her, but he did marry officiate her, her wedding. It's beautiful, which is such a funny connection. So, anyways, um, what and I like about him is that he's like when I think of a rabbi, I think of well, actually, in my congregation growing up, the rabbi was a woman, which was pretty, like... Progressive. Progressive. But she was still old and, like, yeah. traditional, and all the other rabbis I ever knew were older than her and even more traditional. And so to see someone coming at religion from, like, a young point of view and incorporating, like, a spirituality, which is, like, he's into yoga, and he kind of, I think, thinks of things with a more, like, um, we-are-one mentality than, like, a separate monotheistic traditional view of things and I just think it's so interesting that he's integrating like our view of spirituality with religion and making it like one experience right and you and I have had a lot of conversations about this and and just the idea of religion versus 
spirituality mm-hmm. and what that means. And I think uh, naturally, in my own experience, after the bat mitzvah, one tends to... Elizabeth's theme was my red carpet. It was Elizabeth's premiere. Oh, yeah. Just so and there was a red carpet. <laughs> Let's insert that but in But you kind of get all of it. <laughs> Jesus. It says so much. Yeah, no, I love Why? it. What was your theme? Side note. 1950s sock hop. That's fun. I just really wanted to give socks out. Were they branded with the date and the theme? No, because I also did T-shirts, and I had mm-hmm. all my friends sign the T-shirt and, like, printed everyone's name on the back That's of the T-shirt cool. in their signature. I had um, baby tees for the girls. That was very progressive back then. Fashion forward. Yeah, it really was. It was good. But um, so you kind of do all this preparation for the bat mitzvah, mm-hmm. and then it, you no longer have any relationship to the study of Judaism. In my experience, and I feel like with a lot of Reformed Jews, that's also the case. You know, having nothing to do with, like, what your religion is, I feel like as a generation, our – no one – people, if it just falls off. And it, Yeah, and it's sad. It's a blanket statement, but I'm saying just from my experience with our – the people we interact with. I totally agree, and I feel like my biggest problem with the, the religious experience that I experienced growing up is that I always felt very separate from it, and that's why when I came to yoga, I felt really connected to it because it connected me to my physical body, mm-hmm. and I feel like what Hanyal's doing in his teaching is bridging the gap between you know, an experience of religion, which is like just mostly in your head, and connecting it with something that's in your body, and that, to me, is what the future of religion and spirituality in quotes should be and and also Judaism's cool like the traditions of like food and family I, and like you know, the stories all that stuff is dope belief in anything is yeah. cool and i think you know i definitely want this to be a conversation obviously we're speaking with a rabbi but about religion in general and and how the combination with mind body and spirit what that is in both a spiritual practice and a religious practice. And how can we hear the word religion and not have, as a millennial, like an adverse reaction? Right. And, you know, as you said, as you got into yoga, your your spirituality grew and your connection to that. And I had a very similar experience, and it really hasn't happened till I would say, in my later 20s that that occurred. And then it really has sparked my interest in religion again and in belief um, and my curiosity is peaked. So, all right. So now I think it's time that we take a trip back all the way back to last week to New York City with our beautiful interview with Hanya Levinson. Yes, that's a retrograde. So today on the show, we have Hanya Levinson, who is the associate rabbi and director of education at the Jewish Center of the Hamptons. Welcome to the show. Good afternoon, guys. <laughs> Shalom, Shalom, as they would say. Uh, thank you for coming. I wanted to have you on because when you when I met you and then you told me that you were a rabbi, I was like, what? Like, totally, you are not. I had like an 85-year-old rabbi really made like for me my religious exploration as a child like not that accessible Mm -hmm. and I really love how in your work you talk about like spirituality and religion as like emerging idea um so I think get into that I think there's probably an 85 year old rabbi and a six-year-old rabbi playing inside of me yeah (laughs) same (laughs) (laughs) so how did you get to be where you are because you're rabbi you do yoga you are like written about as like the surfing rabbi um how did this all happen for you you know, I didn't, I, th- I think, as I think about it now, probably when I was young, probably 14, I wanted to be a rabbi. And uh, I think I kind of 
faded to the background. And um, I was in school. I was in school until I was 30. You know, I went to college, finished it fast, went to grad school, finished it fast. And in grad school, I started studying um, in the Bronx at a rabbinical school. And when I was 30, it just happened that I, you know, had enough credits to finish to become a rabbi. And I was like, okay, great. I did kind of the study. I love the study. And I'm like, okay, it's time to fall off the face of the earth now and go wander and, and go do my journey. Lo and behold, uh, if I was to ever work in a community, my two uh, requirements were that it had to be near a beach and that my dog could come with me anywhere I was. And <laughs> the Jewish Center of the Hamptons were like, they were like, okay, that's fine. And so the path is unfolding slowly and I'm always just listening. So 14 years old, you're like, I want to be a rabbi? Like, Isn't that weird? Very, it's kind of weird, yeah, right? Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go back to that. Did you know rabbis? Like, what was vibing with you? Like, post-bar you know, mitzvah. Yeah. yeah, post-bar mitzvah, right? Usually at a time where everyone's like, see ya. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I tell my I kids now. I was like, now, I'm done being Jewish yeah, now. <laughs> yeah, I know. Believe me, and I battle that every day. And for me, really, I, I always say that... Um, when we finish our bar mitzvah, that's really like the yellow belt of uh, spiritual education. It mm. begins then. You know, I haven't hit my black belt yet. I probably never will. It's okay. It's about enjoying the, the path along the way. Um, I guess I had a lot of mentors when I, was, when I was young. I had gone to Jewish day school my whole life, and I loved the chanting, the prayer aspect of it. Um, I loved the study of it. And at the same time, I recognized that it was limited for me but that there was much there um, for my future and for the future of my friends and the next generation. And um, When you say limited, you mean like you felt as though that was only the foundation for a spiritual existence? Because you talk a lot about like yoga and, and that's yeah. like your other thing that you're doing. Right. You know, I think that religion is um, one of the only formats that we have now for spiritual exploration. Um, I think that also... A phrase I hear a lot nowadays is, I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. Mm. And I really don't get what that means. Right? For me, spirituality means stepping into the unknown. And for me, and religion comes from the word religare, meaning to connect. So if we step into the unknown, we're going to become amoebas and float into ether. And, you know, that's fine. But um, when done in conjunction with religion, then we have something that tethers us so that, you know, we can all float together. Mm. Like community. Community. Yeah. Okay. And my, my, the whole world is my community. I use my tradition as just a jumping off point um, for my exploration, but that it should recognize that all of us are on that same path together. Yeah, the language is slightly different. Yeah, the path is slightly different, but, you know, it's all one mountain. All the mystics of every tradition say the same thing. It's all one. So when you teach, like, when kids are in your school, <clears throat> what are, like, the principles and what are you teaching them about religion and how are you um, engaging with them? Well, so what do you guys remember? You went, did you go to Hebrew school? I did. did you, go, you went to Hebrew school yes. too, right? You guys went. So what do you guys, what was the vibe? Um, I was not connected to it at mm. all. I didn't um, really like having to be somewhere and saying things I didn't understand. Yeah. So I kind of, yeah, I felt, I don't know. I liked the stories. Like I remember my Torah portion. I remember really liking the story of it and like the empowered female that I had to write about. I was mm. into that. But then when it came to all of the Hebrew things, I was kind of like, I'm unclear. Right. Yeah, I would say that there was like a, a complete disconnect in, in terms of the actual purpose of being there. It yeah. seemed like a very, right. it was like where I had Jewish friends because right. my growing up there weren't that many Jews in the school district that I came from. So it was like, oh, this is my introduction to like yeah. our people. Yeah. <laughs> I hear that, you know, and in the Hamptons, they're not 
a whole lot of Jews, mm-hmm. at least not year round. Really? Yeah. That's I mean, in the summer me. it pops. Yeah. The summer, we, the summer we break it down. <laughs> we, we have like a couple hundred people on the beach, and we're we're singing and we're dancing. It's like a it's a huge festival uh, of joy. Mm-hmm. Um, but Hebrew school, you know, it's, it's a challenge, which it means it's an opportunity. And so, all I truly care about is having the kids enjoy being. Jewish and just mm. enjoy being at the center. That's what's going to last the whole the whole lifetime, right? Long after our bodies break down, you know, our spirit will still be there. And if I can at least from a young age integrate a little bit of that spiritual practice into their lives, that's going to last a lifetime. On top of that, yeah, sure, we got to get to know the little bit of Hebrew and um, anything on top of that is icing, Jewish values. We do Hebrew through movement. The kids are wild. So teaching them how to like you know, what Hebrew words mean through actions is a great thing. And I'm mm. big on art. I love art. And so I try to do as much art projects as I can. And music. Lots of music. Lots of singing. You know, break down that, that spiritual scar tissue at a young age. So that when we, you know, when we want to come back to it after we've left Hebrew school and it's like, how do I get back into that vibe? And it's like, I can't even find myself. I got to get, you know, I got to break through all that. You know, try to keep that those muscles fresh. Our age group. Yeah. Uh, I, I would say, especially in the climate in which we are in the world now, it's, it's, there's a lot working against the case for religion. A lot working for it, but I would say a lot against. How are you seeing people in their 20s and their 30s responding to religion? Are you seeing it? No. Right, I think what, what's the largest like, demographic growth in religion nowadays? The nuns, right? The N-O-N-E-S. <laughs> And um, that's because it's a and it's an ancient system. It's a and you know it's full of myth. And in order for it to be relevant, we need to update it. You know, and that's incredibly important. And for me, updating it mean is it means you know creating an experience that is like an integral, holistic, therapeutic, religious, spiritual practice. Until until um, religion and spirituality can produce the same kind of physical benefits. Uh, that Soul Cycle does, that yoga does, that brunching does. <laughs> I don't know brunching, but you know that fishing does. All these things that you know people would choose to do on a Saturday morning when you know it's our day to celebrate. People won't come, and I get it. I wouldn't go either. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I've been trained for a long time to get anything to get something out of prayer as a spiritual practice. But if you have dropped off the map um, at the age of 13 and now are trying to come back, you know, it's like, you know, coming into my yoga class and I say, you know, drop into a split and press up into a handstand. Hell no. That's not going to happen, right? It needs to be like a slow, integrated, um, really thought through practice. And so when I say integral, holistic, therapeutic, for me that means integral. I have been reading and studying a lot of the work of Ken Wilber, uh, who says that you know we have a pre-modern world, we have a modern world, and we have a post-modern world that we're living in now. Pre-modern is where all of our traditions come from, all the myths of our tradition come from, all of our stories. The modern world is now the science of it uh, th- that we have now, the latest myth. And, and then the postmodern is now looking at our whole bodies, our bodies, our mind, and our spirit, and looking at pre-modern and modern and saying that there are multiple truths in all these paths, and now it's our job in order to integrate them into a whole practice that speaks to us on multiple levels. Holistic, because, you know, I, st- I studied uh, alternative medicine for a very long time, and, ho- and holistic medicine says, let's not just focus on the specific thing, let's look at the whole body. Right? Prayers are not just chanting those words, but prayers are really, you know, making the, lifting the heart. Prayer is just lifting the heart and lifting the eyes, you know, and... So how would you prescribe that? Like, how can how can someone who's listening to this access that? Like, 
I hear that what you're saying, and that sounds amazing, but how does someone who doesn't go to the Jewish Center of the Hamptons or doesn't really know where to start, like, how did they start integrating that? Like, to me, it sounds like you're talking about yoga. Yoga is a part of it. Right. You know, uh, you know I want to start, I'm, I'm getting to, into Tai Chi now. So I want to start integrating Tai Chi into the, to the beginning of my, like, Friday night prayer practice, get a little 15-minute flow going on before singing, you know? And I think that, you know, the Internet is a great way to uh, begin to connect people, but it's also really about building community wherever we go, whether it's in the Jewish under the Hamptons, whether it's in the city, whether it's in L.A., you know, finding groups of people that want these practices, you know, want to, you know, start with 20-minute um, silent meditation, go into a flow of yoga, and then do some chanting, you know, and beginning to strengthen and build that practice as part of, and it's a Jewish practice, you know, but it's not limited to Jews, it's limited to everybody. It's just the lens and it's, it's the jumping off point for me. We talk a lot about prayer. Yeah. What is your distinction between prayer versus meditation? Is there a difference? Well, when I when I talk about meditation, that's talking like about uh, a daily sitting practice, mm -hmm. right? You know, um, close friends of mine, Koshin and Choto, up at the New York Zen Center for Contemplative Care, who I've been sitting and practicing with for a very long time, it's like it's reversing the the, uh, the Western idea of don't just do something. I mean, don't just sit there, do something. Mm -hmm. Into don't just do something, sit there. Literally, nothing. It's a non-theistic practice. There's no God language in meditation. There can be in Jewish meditation, but for me, just a silent sitting practice, you know, prayer for me, depending on the, um, the venue, whether it's Jewish prayer, whether it's, you know, just singing and chanting wordless melodies, you know, or whether it's an interfaith gathering people to find a common language to pray around. So I think they go hand in hand. Um, I heard you say, um, I listened to one of your SoundCloud things, and you talked about the idea of God, and you described it as that which is deeper than we can possibly understand, which I really liked, because I've personally always had sort of a resistance to not the idea of God in terms of something greater, but the notion that it's like a dude who's like, look at you down there, like, nope. Right. You know, and he's also Santa in my head. Like, they're all the same thing. <laughs> Mine looks like the priest from Little House on the Prairie. <laughs> that was my vision of God when I was a little kid. Mine's like a vague Santa, like, fiddler on the roof medley. <laughs> so, like, how do you make that something mm. that we can... Because religion, yeah. that's the difference in my mind of religion and spirituality, where religion distinctly has a God, and then yeah. spirituality is like, we are all God yeah. kind of thing. I hear that, and I think often a lot of us are caught in our eight-year-old, you know, conception, perception of what God is. Now, the challenge for us is to say, okay, look at our, our canon, look at our text, and there's this God who's, you know, anthropopathic and has all these anthropomorphic qualities, and, and he's like running around, and he's destroying, and he's a killer God. Yeah, and you know what? For the people who wrote the Bible, that was the way they understood the divine, and we're so blessed now to be in that kind of chain of learning to say, okay... I get it. This is part of the mythic story. Now let's take that and translate it into something that makes much more sense for us nowadays. God is an energy. And I try to instill that in the kids at a very young age. You know, listen, if you want to believe as a God, you know, is a you know, Santa in the, uh, in the sky, that's okay. I think that it's limiting. I think God has many things. I'm God, you're God. That's not megalomania. That's just realizing that absolutely there is no void devoid of divinity. Right there. That's why my favorite line from, from Kabbalah, you know, there is no void devoid of divinity. So there is nothing that isn't God. Mm. And I think that the more we can allow ourselves to at once study the tradition and at the same time 
have that kind of idea of the divine, the healthier our relationship to God will be. Do you have people in your community who are more like traditionalists, who are like, who are upset by your new interpretation mm-hmm. of what religion is? You know, Jewish community, come on, I mean, really? I mean, mm-hmm. every point, there's going to be always someone who's not going to be happy. There's always <laughs> someone who's not complaining. Usually when I finish talking, it's usually, I can't hear you or, you know, um, but I think that's the beauty of it. The beauty of it is that we can all agree to disagree mm-hmm. and grow and learn that way. I mean, I had one of my, my mothers who, um, is in my Hebrew school, she came the first time and she left. She's like, I hate this new age rabbi. I don't even <laughs> well, I don't like the word new age, but she told me the story later on, you know, and she came around. She's like, I, I, I think one of, the, one of those days I spoke about uh, the kids as being little spiritual warriors. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that. And, and I think that, you know, she gets it, you know, and we're, we're at a crux in, you know, in evolution. Like we're the first, humanity is the first time that evolution is conscious of itself. You know, and I think we're in a place when consciousness is expanding and the practices to investigate the internal world are at the forefront. And I don't know where religion's going. You know, 1,000, 10,000 years from now, I don't know if it's going to be around. I do know that we're in a place right now that where religion and spirituality go hand in hand. And I see it as one of my tasks in order to keep that, that bridge alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you could have, you know, seen yourself as spiritual and felt that and decided to abandon the Jewish tradition and go totally Eastern, but you've chosen to take that with you, which I find really interesting. Like, what are the things about Judaism that make you feel that that was important? I think something that we forget is that within Judaism, every single practice that people find outside of Judaism that they go to the East for has always been within Judaism. It's just that they didn't know where to look or they didn't have a guide with them to unearth those practices, the yoga practices. You know, we, when, we're, when we're praying, we're bending our knees. When we're doing chair pose, we're doing, we're doing uttanasana. Every time we, we bow, you know, we get onto our toes, we're doing calf raises. You know, there are lots of things that um, one can unearth and integrate and see in the Jewish practice. Uh, the practice of um, meditation, silent meditation. You know, rabbis have been doing that and teachers have been doing that in Jewish tradition forever. I guess there was something, I don't know what it is, within us that wanted to go out and seek outside of ourselves and then bring back in. And like I've never by left. saying that God gives me the answers instead of saying that it's inside of you? I'm saying that, that I need to go explore somewhere outside of my Judaism I see, I see, and... Um, and then take those practices and bring them back. I've never left, you know. I know a lot of teachers, people who had to leave and had to separate themselves out from the tradition in order for them to come back around. And I've always kind of had one foot in, in both worlds, uh, in the deeply connected Jewish world and then also, you know, other, whatever that other might be. Mm-hmm. And I will always, you know, and I think that's a paradox of, uh, that I experience in myself, which is beautiful. You know, I love, I love paradox, right? The paradox is, you know, being able to hold two things in, our, in my hands and in my heart at the same time until that they will settle and then a, a new paradox and a new truth emerges. And I think that's part of a, the Jewish practice for me. We love to, to focus on personal daily ritual and practice. Mm. What do you do that helps you stay grounded and show up for the people in your community? You know, I start every morning on the beach with Yo-Yo, my dog. And I'm hunting for sea glass, and she is, you know, smelling things. And that's a silent kind of time for myself. I mean, we have such a great opportunity in this world to do amazing things, and yet it, it seems as though uh, religion oftentimes separates our, ourselves from each other. We're all brothers. The texts, you know, you know, all the three major monotheistic traditions, you know, we all come from the same source. 
all of humanity comes from the same source. We're all stardust relatives. We forget that so often, you know. So anyway, uh, beach time is great. I surf every morning. Definitely an amateur surfer, but I love it. The, the metaphor of surfing for me is that you spend most of the time paddling hard to get out past the break and you're always caught on the inside and it's exhausting and every wave is crashing on top of you and you're like I should just give up and then finally you get out past the break and you're sitting there and it's peaceful and it's quiet and, and the sunlight is dancing like fire on the water and you catch a wave and for a moment there you realize that there's no distinction between you and the wave and it's this, it's this moment of like the little wave who thinks it's the only wave in the world and then it turns around and looks back and it's connected to the whole ocean and it's a great reminder. And then you fall and you crash and you're back on the inside again and then you're struggling to get back out. And that's what life's like, you know? It's like finding that balance and finding those like moments of, of interconnectedness and realizing that those moments are few and they're far between and the slightest moment of, of that experience is enough to, for me, to make you paddle out and get stuck on the inside for a lifetime. So um, it has become a very cherished practice of mine. I sit every day. I have a silent meditation practice that I get to do every day. And I study a lot every day. A lot of times people are like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm studying. Like, what does that mean you're studying? I'm like, what does that mean? It means, it means I'm surrounded by mountains of books. Mm -hmm. I got my podcasts going. That's a retrogrades over there, you know. <laughs> yes, it is. I got like holy rascals going. <laughs> what books are you reading right now? What would you recommend? You know, my, one of my favorite authors is this uh, guy, his name is Mark uh, Nepo, and he's got a, pra a book called The Endless Practice, which I love. Um, I got Hafiz, The Gift, of course, by my bed all the time. When I have, I have like a question, I'm always like, what would Hafiz say? No matter what, this cat is always on target, <laughs> opening up. And, uh, he, I'm not it, familiar with Hafiz, The Gift, I got to get it to you. Come all right. It. I'll get it to you. It's, it's, it's phenomenal. Bertrand Russell's got the history of Western um, philosophy it's sitting in my truck. So any, uh, everywhere I go, depending if I'm like on the train or I'm in the car or by the beach, like, every, like a separate book for each kind of place. Mm -hmm. Norman Mailer put out a book on God that I've been getting into. And I just ordered this three-volume set of Primo Levi, this Italian a Jew who uh, went to Auschwitz. And, uh, Italian Jew. You an Italian Jew? Yep. Represent. <laughs> but I was not in Auschwitz, though. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Which point I, are you? I know, right? I just watched Me this. too. <laughs> I always quote him in saying that when people ask me, do I believe in the Messiah? And I say, no, I don't believe in like some guy who's going to roll in on a white donkey or a white horse, you know, but I believe in a messianic era. Well, what does that mean? That means that when I can look into your eyes, I can look into your eyes, and we can all look into each other's eyes, we can see ourselves in that other person. You can take responsibility for that other person and realize that there is no other. Then we'll be living in a messianic era. Then we'll be living and the whole earth functioning as one living organism, right? We're all part of this earthiness project. You might as well make the best of it as best you know. And so part of my practice is to say that there are these concentric circles of community, right? We have our family, right? We have our loved ones. We have our community, right? We have the world. And so it's about how can... We take ourselves from these small circles to the bigger circles and kind of spread a message of love and interconnectedness. And that's a lifelong practice. I don't know how far I'll get, but I know that I, you know, I will always toil in it. Of course, uh, yoga is a big part of my, my practice, hot yoga specifically. And you teach? I teach a lot, you know. I had some great students, great people coming and practicing with me. Um, I've taught um, all different kinds of yoga, uh, hot yoga, regular yoga. I have a, a practice like a mind-body, hardcore, dance boot camp kind of craziness, which is an integration of like being super silly, 
um, headbands, you know, 80s style if you want to, you know, uh, yoga, meditation, dance, a little karate, and all on a mat. For me, yoga has been a, a very dear practice. I mean, I started as a competitive gymnast for 20 years, and so I trained very hard, you know, 30, 40 hours a week as a competitive gymnast and moved on to, to rugby. Did a lot of performance, um, acrobatic stuff, and then kind of came to yoga as one of these practices that were, what would be with me for the rest of my life. And whenever I can, I integrate that yoga into uh, my Judaism. There's something you can, like each, each uh, letter of the alphabet could be a yoga pose, and so it's about taking prayers that I like, and it's, it's like, like yoga, acrobatics, so you gotta find the right prayer that each letter would flow well into the, one of the, into the next. And I do that on my own. Uh, haven't shared that that much with others. So as far as uh, spiritual practices goes, on a body, mind, spirit level, you, got, you know, we got to, anything that we want to teach our spirit, we have to first teach our body. Right? Nach, Rabbi Nachman Abraslav would say that. Um, so to teach myself flexibility in my body, then I can start to teach myself flexibility in my spirit right? mm. and in my mind. And That's I think beautiful. that it's important that we, we all are these multi-layer beings and we need to listen to every layer. And if one layer is not being listened to, then the whole, the whole body, the whole... The whole unis won't grow, can't grow together. And I think that is um, and a very important part of a religious spiritual practice. So you were talking before about teaching the kids how to be little spiritual warriors. Yeah. Um, can you teach us how to be little <laughs> spiritual warriors? <laughs> like, what does that mean? Um, well, I would I mean, it'd probably be slightly different for, <clears throat> um, for you guys um, than I would for the kids. One thing that um, is a major practice uh, of Judaism that people don't often realize is uh, dream interpretation. So okay. I've been very, um, for a while now, deep into uh, dream practice and dream interpretation, right? Right now, uh, we, you know, we read the Torah portion and a different portion every week, and right now we're learning about Joseph. Joseph is the great dream interpreter. So it's a mix of Jewish interpretation and maybe a little Jungian interpretation. And to recognize in, in each one of us is a little child. You know, and we forget about that child awfully quick because you know the world demands things of us, and it's about a return to that child, that childlike, playful self. And I think at the heart of it, being a spiritual warrior is being playful, really being playful. And it's about and, and it's about going to battle. You know, in the word Israel means to struggle with God, right? To struggle, and, and I think it's a beautiful struggle. Um, in our constant deliberation, whether we believe in God, don't believe in God, that there is space for all of that. Being a spiritual warrior is, is being okay wherever you are on the path and recognizing that you are enough, no matter what, right? And that all we, all we require of each other is to do the best that we can. And that's enough. And to be okay with that, there is no destination, right? It's the endless practice. And we should delight in it, you know, wherever we are on that path. And that's perfect. Those, the kids, I, you know, if for, that, for me, it's really about, and it's difficult, and it, it takes a long time to love their religion and to love their spirituality, to sing out loud. I don't care if you know what the words mean, but make it feel good. You know, if you are, if you're feeling it in your heart, you know, your heart receives information before anything else does. Your heart sends more information to your brain than your brain does to your heart. It's, that is the nexus point. That is the starting point for all spiritual warrior practice, right? And the spiritual warrior, you know, is armed with only one thing, a broken heart, Right? And so you look at a broken heart, and then from the outside, it looks like it's a heart full of cracks. But from the inside, it's just, you know, a place that's full of openings. And from the youngest age, to teach kids about this, you know, to teach kids that 
Judaism is a heart-centered practice. And to build on that through all the modalities, you know, really about building community, singing communities, social action, full of social action, doing whatever we can. You know, in East Hampton, we have a lot of homeless. People don't recognize that, you know. Um, I have that Smart for Smart homeless people, though. <laughs> <laughs> Go to the beach. <laughs> Well, that's like Venice style, you know? I know, right? <laughs> Best place to be a bum. <laughs> Smartest homeless people in the country in Venice, all- California. <laughs> oh, my oh. God. Well, you know, a spiritual warrior, you know, we'll see that in all their practices that there is a, a on a physical level, a, re- a reduction in muscle tension, blood pressure, heart rate. And by the way, this is, goes for, every, for everyone of every age, you know? And to realize that within Judaism, within religion, there is all these practices that you need. And to realize that religion and spirituality are the best of friends, you know, and they need each other. And, you know, while love is an, an eternal, something that was, you know, has been here forever, religion is humanity's way of expressing or understanding this love mm-hmm. called divine love. You know, all the great mystics have said it, you know, and it's about to, to fall in love with, with the universe, to fall in love with, with, the, with humanity, to fall in love with the fact that we're a part of this growing experience and life is so short, you know, and we should take every opportunity to, uh, to embrace life because, you know what, life grows everywhere. You know, and that's God, right? God is the fact that anywhere it's possible for life to grow, that the, God is there and life does grow there in, in the darkest of places. I love that. I've always felt, like, saddened by, like, the stiff staleness of, like, the Catholic Church or even, like, older, more conservative Jewish temples where, especially when I discovered yoga and, like, yeah. getting into my body was, like, the most important thing that I could do. It's, like, I never really understood how you could say you're religious if you're just, like, sitting there, just right? sitting yeah. around. You know, the whole world is, is, is our sanctuary, you know, and we should... Um, you know, it's not limited to institutions. And more often than not, we see people who aren't really, who aren't really you know, affiliating with institutions because they're not feeding them, right? If we want to build communities, we need to feed them the food that nourishes them, and then they'll come back for more, you know? You can't feed them freeze-dried soup. You know, you got to teach them how to, like, add hot water and stir it and make it warm, right? That's Rabbi Zalman, one of my favorite rabbis, you know, in whose lineage I was ordained as a rabbi. We gotta realize that all of the religions are like one big human body, right? Each one is it's an organ. If one religion, one organ isn't functioning on a healthy way, the whole body suffers. And I think we see that nowadays today. The whole body is suffering because not all the organs of religion are functioning in a way that is conducive to the whole body. The whole body beyond just the physical, the, the mental and into the spiritual. It's like separate. Everyone's like a separatist. Right. Can you, what, what would it be like if, like, you know, your right hand is not, like, you know, connecting with your left hand. They're doing their own thing, you know? You know, the, they got to work together. A lot of, and we're seeing that, you know, the, the little parts of every organ are just, they don't really care. And, you know, it's about bringing people back together and realizing that, listen, we have to function as one large, one body, you know, one healthy, holistic body. It's beautiful. Yeah. Do rabbis use social media? <laughs> Where can we find you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Facebook, Honeyel Levinson. Instagram, That's Honeyel. H-A-N-N-I-E-L, and we'll link that yeah. to the, on Honeyel, our website. Yeah, org. I, I put up some of my artwork that I do and, and a lot of my teachings. You know, the whole world is our community. There should be no limit to that. You know, my arms will always be open for absolutely everyone to come and practice. Everyone. And, you know, that's, that's what I live for. I live for, for like-minded people who are on the journey, who are on the path with me and for us to share the space together.
We're all struggling with the same fears, same emotions, the same challenges. And let's do it together, though. You know, make it a party, like a divine confetti parade. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> That's yeah. Well, thank you for sharing this space yeah. with us today. Thank you for having me. And if you're in the Hamptons, go check him out. Yeah, come surf with me. Come pray with me. You know? Surf, pray, yoga. Amen. Repeat. Take him on <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah. Amen. Yes, that's a retrograde. We've been getting some really beautiful feedback from everyone that's just filling our hearts with so much joy. Since we started checking our email. Happiness. Has ensued. Yeah. So <laughs> this one comes from Nicole, and she says, Hello, Stefan Elizabeth. I recently, hey, Nicole. I recently started listening to That's So Retrograde, and I'm definitely obsessed. Aw. I'm moving to Los <laughs> Angeles, and after all the poop discussions, I feel enough intimacy is established, or at least enough lack of physiological boundaries, and I thought I would inquire about who your gynecologist is. I'm searching for someone, and I thought I would send an email after listening to Roses and Thorns episode of the podcast. All right, gynecologist. Well, first of all, I'm so happy to hear that we have broken down physiological boundaries, and now we're connecting with people via our gut. Yeah. I'm just thrilled about that. We've had so many emails regarding the poop conversations and how we should keep them going as opposed to putting the kibosh on them. So guess what? We're going to reverse that whole, like, stop talking about poop thing, and we're going to go... Bringing it back to the forefront Full force back into poop. So okay, so our gynecologist is the same gynecologist. We have the same gynecologist. Because friends who OBGYN together. Have podcasts together. Yeah. Um, so it's Dr. Jason Rothbart. You can Google him. You also might have seen him on um, Stephanie's show Funny Girls. <laughs> yeah, he told me that my uterus was young enough to be cast on the CW. As well as Tori and Dean. Uh, one of their many reality shows, not the divorce one, but he was also on that one. And um, rumor has it that he also delivered Angelina Jolie's babies in Africa. Just saying. Whoa, really? Yeah. He's honestly the sweetest guy. He's the best. And that's what you need when someone's fully going inside yeah. of you. A-list. Someone else dealing with A-list vagina should be dealing with yours. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> um, this one. And also tell him we sent you. Yeah. Because he loves us. Yeah, and he definitely listens to this show, so. <laughs> and this one comes from Maria. Maria says, what up, bitches? Ooh. Hey. Hi. Coming in hot. Love that, Maria. Um, just listen to the Mindful episode. I really loved that episode, by the way. Side note. Yeah, she didn't me too. Say that. But, and I'm most excited to know that you're going to be hanging out with Andy Cohen. That was fun. I wish we spent more time with Andy. Andy, we love you. Uh, can't wait to see. Just a quick hello and question, Elizabeth. Since you're so obsessed with skincare, I can't find an exfoliator that I love. Any recommendations? I love these questions. So um, I currently am using the Clarisonic brush system thing. You got once that? A week. I've had it for a long time. Oh, uh, I want to get one of those. Um, but I only use it once a week because I think that it can be really irritating. And there's so many conflicting things from dermatologists. Some of them will be like, yes, absolutely, and they sell it in their offices. And then others will be like, nope, it sp- spreads bacteria all around your face. So the happy medium for me is a once a week with that. Question. Yeah. I noticed. Stephanie in the back. Oh, yes. Hello. Thank you. Stephanie here. Um, I was wondering because I saw I was going to buy one, and mm-hmm. then I saw there was two different bristle options. There's mm-hmm. like the bristly one, and then there's the rubbery one. Ooh. I don't know. Maybe you don't I have, even know. I have the bristle, the okay. OG. We will look into that. We'll look into that. So I, I recommend that once a week, but I think that it's just like dependent on your skin tone. Some people I know use it every day. Also a good exfoliator. I don't know if you have looked into this, but alpha hydroxy acid. Right. So and then I was going to say my other 
uh, thing I love is Nip and Fab. They do these glycolic peel wipes, um, and those I find to be really exfoliating, and I love that. So that might help. Also, Modern Friction from Origins. Can we just shout out Nip and Fab in general? Yeah. NBD, Elizabeth and I were able to take a, a little peek into the L Beauty closet. In yeah. New York, in L New Magazine. York. Bye. We went um in we went on these magazine interviews and honestly, like I literally felt like I was living my how to live how to lose a guy in ten days like fantasy. <laughs> Anyways, it was really awesome. But they gave us some nip and fab products. I'd never heard of that company before. And a lot of times when I use um, eye makeup remover pads or any eye makeup remover, like my eyes are super sensitive and they're watering and it burns and it's just a mess. Even organic ones, even like yeah. Alba and those yeah, brands. Yeah, I have the Jason brand for that and that stings like a motherfucker. Dude, nip and fab. Yeah, No great. burn. And I'm like, this is can, a miracle. I've loved that brand. I've been using those glycolic peels for a long time, or the glycolic pads rather, um, like three times a week. I use them at night. Hell yeah. Um, and they sell that brand at Ulta. It's great. Okay, cool. And the internet. Online. I'm sure yeah. the internet sells yeah, it too. I, yeah. This is wellness. Yeah, it is. Um, sell roses and thorns. My rose. Sing this song, Stephanie. Roses and thorns. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Roses and thorns, guys. <laughs> Sorry that I slacked on my singing. I can't <laughs> believe I forgot with this voice. <laughs> record deal, record deal. Yeah. Manifest it. So yeah, as I said earlier in the show, I've started, I've challenged myself well, okay. So I went to Wanderlust because I moved into a house. And Wanderlust is a yoga studio that just opened. They in Los took Angeles. over the Golden Bridge space. Yes. And Wanderlust is owned, I believe, by the same people that do the Wanderlust Festival. Right. And they opened their space here. It's, Ryan Weiss teaches meditation there on Mondays. Yes. So if you live in LA, you're coming to LA, like I very, very, very strongly recommend checking out this yoga studio. I've been on the hunt for a studio that I feel really at home at and for a long time. And this place is just giving me the best vibes. It's nice when that happens. Mazel tov. Anyways, I, uh, I signed up for 30 days for $40 and I challenged myself to go the whole time. And I now I've been going five days in a row and it's just been like very opening for me in a really positive way so I'm really really happy that's wonderful about that like I'm getting back in my body and I just feel like whoa there's little nooks and crannies that have been kind of asleep for a while and Mm. I just need to shake it up a little that's great um yeah I feel like day once you're over the hump of day three it's like feels like uh back in into the daily routine again it's really nice I mean you're my friend would you ever think that I would go to a yoga class at 8 a.m no. Did that this morning. I know. You texted me at 7.30 this morning, and I was like, what? <laughs> Who is this like, person? She okay? <laughs> yeah. Concerned. I'm doing great. Um, my rose, and this is a shout-out to you and our friends. A lovely thing we did this weekend was um, Stephanie and our friends Martin, Allie, and a, a bunch of other people, they put on a beautiful comedy sh- show and showcase of music, music and uh, all benefiting Art of Elysium. And which is, tell us what Art of Elysium does. Art of Elysium is um, a charity organization that asks artists to donate their time to bring all sorts of art and music to terminally ill children. Right. So um, it was this beautiful event. How many people are there? Like, um, Probably like 70, 70 people. people. It was yeah. like a, a $20 donation to attend. Amazing comedians, amazing musical acts. I guest bartended because that's the new thing, <laughs> uh, guest bartending. Uh, 
So, and it was just like really, it was just so inspired to see all of our friends get together and do something for a beautiful cause. And we had so much fun and you did an incredible job hosting it, Steph. Thanks. And it was just, I was so proud and it was just really, I was just inspired by the whole thing. Like on taking our Saturday night, everyone got all dressed up. Yeah. Heard some comedy, served some drinks, you know, and we raised, I imagine we raised a pretty, uh, solid penny because the tip jar at the bar that was also going to charity I was counting that really getting getting saw, saw some hundred dollar bill in there Ooh, damn so it was so fun like the vibe stayed so loose and I just wish every night could be like that totally it's just like partying for a cause why the f not I know it's like after you do it after you do the show you sit through it all then you're like we've earned you know all the drugs we're gonna do yeah or right whatever or, or not <laughs> um, and yeah so it was Jackie Tone Gerard Carmichael Stephanie Simbari Theo Vaughn who else Thomas Dale Thomas Dale and Greg Santos yeah and it was it was really fantastic so. everyone crushed it and if they're listening thank you guys but who were the bands that played oh and then um, Glenna Gasparian Allie's younger sister opened it with a couple of her singer-songwriter tunes and she was so killed it she was so nervous and and she hadn't performed in a while and then she went up with this like comedy bit about how nervous she was and just had the most beautiful singing voice it was amazing and then uh the band small pools i'm sure you guys know them they're like pop rock and sean the lead singer was my friend forever since high school and so it's awesome to have him and then chelsea and john of kane holler Mm -hmm. another great band dj'd the event and so it was just wonderful and like i just encourage anybody to like get involved like that it's so fun and it's cool to party for a cause when it comes to a thorn i don't know like what's going on the news is so intense all i know is i'm about to defriend my dad on facebook why? Because his politics are just, I can't. Is he posting stuff about Trump again? Oh, my God. My dad and Donald Trump, everything he posts, I'm just like, do you know how ignorant you sound? It's just such a strange time, you guys. It is a strange time. and I, But I honestly haven't talked to my dad in like three weeks. So I'm just like, I need to press pause on you until, <laughs> until I either like silence you on Facebook or find a way around this political conversation. Yeah, you can always just hide him. I think and, I as need to do that. As opposed to the unfriend. Unfriend is very hard. Well, I'm not going to unfriend him because that would be upsetting. Yeah, because he's your dad. He's my dad. But honestly, like, I want to love my dad. <laughs> I want right. to, like, think he's cool. But I can't deal. Like, I I don't know. I don't understand the mentality behind supporting that message. Um, I think it comes from a more of a fiscal place Mm -hmm. than a cultural place. However, no matter which way you roll the Donald Trump dice, ignorance comes up. And so it's difficult for me to accept that that's my father who's like supporting closing the borders and shit. I'm just like, ah, ah, you know. Right. So that's my thorn. Um, Really, generally, though, actually, Thorn being parents on Facebook. Right. So let's just, like, that's my blanket, like, hey, mom, you know, don't need to see that you support medical marijuana. Hey, dad, you know, <laughs> don't need to know that you hate Mexicans. Like, let's just keep it moving. Right, 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 right. I support parents and technology, man. Also, my dad doesn't hate Mexicans. I don't think. I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't think he does. Well, one thing I think is cool, I think we're going to try to do a fun little New Year's wrap-up show in honor of 2015. So I would love for feedback from our listeners to just 
tweet us or shoot us an email at that's so retrograde at gmail.com, which we do check now. Thank you very much. Um, and uh, tell us. Clapping for us. Tell us the rose and thorn of the year for you. Can be a personal thing. Like, did you manifest something incredible and it came about? Or uh, did you, something that like you saw pop culturally that was like not the vibe? Thorn vibe. My thorn is all those computer sounds that keep happening. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's really, really. Have you turned? I thought about turning the volume off. Thank you. Um, <laughs> all right. So yeah, email us with your roses and thorns of the year. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah, and don't forget, as always, to hit us up on the internet at so retrograde on Twitter and Instagram. That's so retrograde dot com and that's so retrograde at gmail dot com. Yes. Bye bye. Namaste. Yes, that's a retrograde.